0: Laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I hope you're absolutely dominating this first month of 2022. I know we are here at Rogue just feeling real good about 2022. I know you just never know what a new year is going to bring, and 2022 is already shaping up to be a a, kind of transitional, game changer year where we really start to execute on our vision here at Rogue Risk and I hope you feel the same about your business or whatever life goals you have. Today's guest really doesn't need much of an introduction, it's Bradley Flowers from the Insurance Guys podcast, um, you know, the, the the less good looking half of the Insurance Guys podcast, uh, his partner in crime, Scott Howell, um, you know, Bradley's just a tremendous dude, we have gotten to know each other very well, uh, chat quite often over the last few years. I love the way he thinks about the business. I love the way he handles his business. It's not always exactly the same way I would do it, but Bradley's a thoughtful dude. He's uh, an ambitious dude, and I just so pumped to to kind of reconnect on the show. You know, on the show and and share that conversation with you guys. I think you're gonna love this episode. Uh, spend some time with it. Um, Guys, you know one quick one quick ask I have for you. I don't normally ask these kind of things, but if you're not subscribed to the show, I'd love for you to do that. If you haven't left us a rating or root review, love for you to do that as well. Um, that just helps push the show out to more uh, insurance pros, so they can listen and uh, join our community and and share in what we're doing um and if you have guests that you want on the show let me know you know i mean i i have always i keep a list of guests that i want to have and then some just pop up or some get intro to me which is awesome i mean that's kind of how we do it it's probably not as formal as you actually think some people think i have some master plan i don't really um but if you have someone you want to hear from or someone maybe i just don't know uh and you think they'd be a great guest send them over uh ryan at ryanhanley.com uh best way to to get that in front of me and um, I just appreciate you guys. appreciate you guys for listening. I probably don't say that enough, but I do. Uh, before we get to Bradley, I want to give a quick shout out to a couple of our sponsors today, the people that make this show possible. First, Coterie Insurance. Guys, we are writing a tremendous amount of business with Coterie because they're just so easy. Uh, it's just so incredibly easy to get GL, BOP, professional liability. Uh, put that in front of your client. Um, the amount of time that it takes, it's just... It's just crazy easy. I don't know what else to say. It's good coverage. Coterie's a great company. I love what they're doing. Uh, They're going to be a big part of the mix for us moving forward. And I couldn't be happier with our relationship with Coterie and and excited that they're uh, a sponsor of the show. So uh, go to Coterie, C-O-T-E-R-I-E, insurance.com, Coterieinsurance.com, or just Google Coterie, C-O-T-E-R-I-E, and uh, check them out. And if you want to sign up and start writing business with Coterie, I think that's a good idea, especially if you're in the small business space, especially if you're primarily personal lines and you'd like to get into small business, but you're having trouble getting a commercial lines appointment from one of the um, traditional markets because of all the crazy things. I had someone, I, I actually had a carrier say to me that they didn't want to appoint us in a state because of the $250 licensing fee. It's like, oh my God, is it really, that's that's really a barrier to entry, like, is that I'm not going to make you $250. It's just, oh. <laughs> So these are the kind of problems solved by Coterie is they just don't even have that mindset at all, which is amazing. So C-O-T-E-R-I-E, Coterieinsurance.com. I want to give a quick shout out to my boy Chris Langel at Advisor Evolved. We, you know, Chris is not technically a sponsor of the show, but uh, I always like to give, uh, him a shout out because i do get a lot of people who message me about our website and about websites in general and just digital presence uh and chris and his team have been my web designer for more than a decade and uh, i trust him implicitly i love the work he does websites are fast they look great Um, seo built if you're going to do that work um and then you know the whole uh, local business marketing thing that he has where they're doing the the facebook ads and the google ads on top of that and can really help you drive traffic and grow your business so just want to give a quick shout out to chris Langel and his team at advisor evolved advisor evolved go to advisor com today all right guys let's get on to bradley flowers
1: all right say something go bills check one two Go bills check got one, it two. got it okay Sorry. So my my Wi-Fi at the office god awful. So I booked the studio just so we didn't have any issues. I'll roger that. I'm getting a yeah pretty decent echo though. Check. Uh, shut the door. Can maybe turn this mic off. Okay. Shut the door. Let's see.
0: Is bad the Wi-Fi at the office like a is it like an Alabama thing or? yeah yeah is it good now I, yeah i can hear you if you can hear me you sound good yeah
1: yeah yeah okay yeah we uh i just got off the, a call with mathis andy matheson and uh it was awful so i came here <laughs>
0: <laughs> dude there's nothing worse than bad wi-fi like legitimately oh it, will
1: send, it yeah. will send me over the edge it will send me over the edge Mostly because I'm impatient.
0: Yeah. Well, it's that and it's like, I don't know. I just, why is it not working? You know, because I I work from home most days and most days, you know, I'd say, you know, we have spectrum or whatever. So the internet is fine. I won't say that it's blazing fast, Mm -hmm. but on most days it's probably fine. And then you'll just have these days where like nothing works and everything's like button click. Hourglass spinning,
1: and you're just like, "Oh my god, I can't get anywhere. in Alabama." That means you got to go put more diesel in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crank, pull, pull the pull start. You know,
0: yeah, crank, yeah, get the crank out, start cranking something. So what's going on, man?
1: Man, just trying to just hired somebody new in the agency today. Sent the offer, accepted. Nice. Uh, starting january the third planning our our event with glovebox and trying to uh manage my various projects that have gotten out of hand
0: uh what position did you hire
1: uh, pro- we call it an agent but it's a producer gotcha
0: yeah i uh yeah,
1: we were good sorry we we're just really top heavy you know we Uh, We have one producer that accounts for about 80% of the office's production. And I need to balance that out some more. And kind of the answer was to hire somebody new. Um, I'm hiring a guy who's actually my best friend for 14 years. And we're still friends. We just didn't hang out every day. And he reached out to me, talk about working together. And I sent him a, uh, a sales assessment and he like blew it through the water. Like best assessment I've ever seen. And I've assessed, you know, 200 people and uh so we're gonna give him a shot he's got a couple niches he knows about industries that he's been in uh one of them is the fitness industry i'm sure you appreciate that and uh i don't know we're gonna see what happens i'm having work with mick um mick looking at his personality test mick thinks he can turn him into a rock star so
0: when you do a sales assessment is that a special test or is it like a you give him a disc a disc
1: test So I have a vendor that I use for it, but it's a, I do a disc and a sale. They call it sales IQ. Mm -hmm. Um, Higher sense is the name of the company, but that's not the vendor I'm going through. And the disc assessment is incredibly in depth. It's like 68 pages. Mm -hmm. And then the sales IQ, it basically breaks down the sales process in 10 categories. So like prospecting, closing, assessing, that sort of thing. And it gives you, the percentage of the amount of time they get the right answer on the sales questions, and the percentage of the amount of time they get the second right answer. Mm. So it kind of can show you, you know, mm. if somebody doesn't get it on both, and it shows you where they compare con- to other salespeople. And the test gets smarter as it goes because it's comparing you to the last person that took it, and um, so it kind of shows you where they really struggle at. And kind of what I always look for is somebody who's a natural closer and I can fill the other gaps in. Yeah. Most of the people that we don't hire due to the assessment is because they don't have the closing piece, but they have the other pieces. And to me, that person struggles indefinitely. I don't think you can teach closing. Um, I think you can give them some tools that help. But um, So I always look for somebody that's kind of got that, that fire that they can close, and then we can fill everything else up. Yeah. What do you mean by closing? Like, what is that? What does a closer have?
0: Like, what is, what does that mean?
1: So, we've, the people that we have hired that have struggled sales wise just struggle to almost get people over the finish line. You know what I mean? So, like, my old office was a square, it was a square, and I was, I was in there with everybody. Right. And so, I heard all of these conversations and, I would just hear them on the phone with deals and I'd be like, Oh, if you did like, if you just said this, they would have bought or like, you know, that was a buying signal, you ignored it and things like that. And, you know, there's just things that you pick up, I think being in it every single day that someone who is not in it or doesn't have those skills can do just down to like asking for the business, you know? Um, and I've had a hard time. It's more me than it is them. I have a hard time teaching that, you know? So I look for somebody that already has it and already knows like, okay, that was a buying signal. Let's move forward.
0: Yeah, for me, the big one is call reluctance. If you're willing to pick up a phone, I feel like everything else falls into place. So like I've, so I do a disc, I do a disc uh, tab. We use Mick too. So everyone that's listening, we're talking about Mick Hunt, Premier Strategy Box, the the G-O-A-T of uh, Rev Ops. And um, so we do a disc. So our process is: uh, Sarah, uh, my operations manager, she reaches out to everyone first. Really, what she's looking for, like, is this person an idiot or not? Like, will they get along with us? Mm-hmm. Are they a good fit? Do we, you know? So she kind of does the first pass. After the first pass, that way, if
1: you get somebody in there that's bad, you're like, hey, you're the yeah, one. that's your fault, fruit, not me. <laughs> I also
0: know that she. Um, she is much more she's probably a much stronger filter than I would be you know what I mean like I just I yeah I'm like oh this person's nice you're this probably reason, like this me pers- in that
1: you can see the good in everybody like somebody yes. could show up not sober and not clothed but you're like you saw this little sparkle in their yeah. eye and you're like I could turn that into something yeah <laughs> yeah
0: but they were funny um no yeah she's got a good she's got a she has a healthy mix of being able to you know kind of give people a shot, but at the same time, kind of pick out the bullshit. So, so she's a really good first pass. Then after that, we give them a disc test and then, uh, we, we don't do a sales assessment though. I do kind of like that. Um, so we do a disc test. Then I send that disc test to Mick. Mick gives us thumbs up, Mm -hmm. thumbs down for the next conversation. And then if, um, that conversation is with me only for, for uh, producers or insurance advisors for our client success or account management staff, then uh, my head of account management interviews them. I don't even get involved. Um, But for the salespeople, um, you know, I, then I come in and I literally just pound them on the phone on, on their phone work. How much, what do you do? You know, and it's a whole bunch of questions around all I'm trying to get at is, are you going to pick up the phone? Because yeah. I am convinced more than ever. Every day, I become more convinced that this is a phone business. And I think at different yeah. times in my career, I would have fought that. I would have said, "Ah, you know, you can automate this and automate that." And I and, I, and I'm sure and I'm I'm positive. There's definitely there ways are, to do it, but yeah, there are places. But if you want to be really successful, you pick up the phone, and it doesn't mean it has to be a, a hour long phone call. I think that's the I think that's mm-hmm. the major thing that I'm figuring out is. A three-minute, you can do tons of automation, digital stuff, comms, and a three-minute phone call is all, it might be all you need, but those three minutes are really important, right? And um, if you're willing to do that, I feel like the rest, that is a, for me, a bellwether for you doing being able to do all the rest. Ask for the clothes, get info, follow up, all the things. Because if you're scared to pick up the phone and talk to somebody, you will never do any of the rest because you can't close on text message. Not unless you know the person. In
1: yeah. My well, a good, you know, a good salesperson too can, we, we have found that as well. You know, some of the biggest accounts that we've closed, you know, our two niches right now are habitational and trucking, which obviously have the potential to have some pretty big premium on them. The, some of the biggest accounts we've closed have been super short phone calls. And a good producer can cut through all that BS and get straight to the point and the mm-hmm. pain point of, knowing what that person's dealing with where somebody else is out here in la-la land, you know? Yeah. Um, but we, we've done that. We have a similar process. You know, we do, uh, we send people to our website where that, which is crap right now, but we're in the process of changing to a new one. And they fill a form out. They get an email that's our email interview. And there's three questions. Um, two of them don't mean anything. The third one is, uh, do you prefer higher salary, lower commission, lower commission, higher salary? And I'm looking for low salary, high commission, because I want somebody that wants to go get it, you know. And so they reply to that email. Um, That weeds out a lot of people. And then they go to a phone interview with me. And it's very much like this conversation. It's just tell me about yourself. Like, we're just having a chat. I'm being, you know, good old, nice Bradley. And then um, after that, we do the, that's when we do the disc and the sales IQ. And then third step is in-person interview with me, still very laid back. And then the last interview is a team interview. So kind of what you do at the beginning, I'm doing it at the end. We do a team interview with everybody. And if it's not a unanimous yes, we don't hire them. Doesn't matter how much I like them, because I want it to be the team's decision, because we've had those people that worked with us that didn't quite fit in. And this person had a problem with this person philosophically, you know, yeah. and it's going to yeah. be, hey, y'all were the one that hired this person, not me. Yeah, You know, so that's kind of yeah. our process. And we found it to be pretty, pretty, I mean, it's, it's definitely time consuming, but what it does too, is it weeds out the people who just want a quick job. Yeah. You know,
0: it also gives you a quality. Have we excuse. gotten somebody that
1: was really good that we skipped the process? Absolutely. Yeah. We've had some people are like, Hey, this, this guy's going to get picked up. We need to rush through the process. But for the most part, we stick to it.
0: Yeah, that team thing also gives you a good excuse not to hire liberals. You know what I mean? You can your team's just going to be like, "Nah, oh, <laughs> we don't we don't philosophically agree with this person."
1: We we have we have had someone that that gave an answer in the not not whether Republican or Democrat whatever. I'm I'm as pretty down the middle as you can get to be a 33-year-old white man in Alabama. Um but you uh we have had some people that gave answers that were extreme politically on both sides i don't want either one of those people yeah yeah you may have to edit that out but <laughs> you know no
0: i'm dude i'm with you i i think uh i don't, want, I don't care, what, I don't
1: care yeah, what you it, believe i support funny. the fact that you can believe what you can believe but don't bring that bs into my office you know
0: yeah i also you know my my when i'm I'm with you. I'm with you there. This is one of the ones that I struggle with is like, cause I, cause I don't, I honestly don't care what your political affiliation is or, or your affiliation with anything. Right. I mean, Jesus, I'd hire a Patriots I don't don't either. um, If they,
1: you know, but. I have Alabama fans that work.
0: Yeah. But you gotta, you know, I guess my, my, you're trying to find people who don't take, themselves and their viewpoints too seriously you want you know that's kind of one of the things that i really like about our current team you know and we're up to eight people including me now we hired two account managers on monday or they started with killer on monday uh, we don't have an office though so i was talking about this because someone said to me like how the hell do you have all these people and i said i don't have an office i don't pay rent
1: it's called www.ryanhanleypodcast.com yeah. Yeah. I, I have people a, all over the place. I have, a,
0: I have a podcast that subsidizes my agency partially. I have I uh, I don't have an office. I don't have to pay for, think about, think about your total bill for your office. I don't pay any of that zero, nothing. Yeah. So, you know, yes, I pay for people, you know, I yes, I, I have this little setup. It's about, uh, it's probably about 1500 bucks that everyone gets when they start dual monitors, computer camera headset, you know, they get this little, so it's 1500 bucks, but that's one time, bam, that goes out. We track that that goes out to everybody. We have that like all set up on Amazon, but then that's it. I mean, a couple, couple 15 bucks Mm -hmm. here, 20 bucks here for like different, different services that we use. But I mean, the, the cost not having an office, as much as I do miss not having an office, sometimes I do, um, it has allowed me to add, like, legitimately. I was doing the math. It has allowed me to add two
1: people that I couldn't have if I had an office. I'd have two less yeah. people if I had it's, an office. You're in New York, because I'm in Alabama, so it's it's a little, you know, yeah, it's a little different, right? You get you would be paying a lot more for the office that I have than yeah. I am.
0: Before anything, I'd probably be paying seventeen to three thousand dollars a month in rent for a decent office space. Seventeen would be like little shady, everyone go be, be out the door by five, you know, 3000 would be, you know, nice office park in one of the suburbs. Um, Mm -hmm. and then all the other costs that come with it, electric, uh, fi internet, you know, all the, all utilities, everything that you'd have to pay as part of your rent. In addition to, Mm -hmm. you know, just all the stuff to, 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 to put in there, not having that basically gets me two extra people. And
1: uh, yeah, yeah, a big thing we have is like just freaking like snacks and office supplies, like yep. printer ink and crap like that, you know, yep. um, that has been uh, a big, you know, um, like that's like number three on my P&L of like the, the most expensive thing is just like, like I think I order something from Amazon every single day that we need the office, you know, I went to the grocery store this morning and spent 70 bucks on snacks and drinks and stuff for the office.
0: What are you printing?
1: We don't print a lot. I just use that (laughs) as an example. Every now and then, (laughs) we don't print much. In fact, uh, I will purposely sometimes not buy printer ink when the printer's low to encourage my people not to print. Yeah. Um, Every now and then, we have something we have to print, but usually it's um, because we're pretty heavily agency bill. Sometimes we have to print stuff and mail it to clients.
0: Yeah. I, um, we could completely operate without paper completely. The only time we have to is, uh, so I, so we just finished getting licensed, licensed in, uh, the continental United States. So we're within, by the end of this week, we will have, we'll right. be licensed in 48 states. It's <clears throat> Awesome. It is. I mean, I want to give a shout out to Ilsa, which I, I never know. The Dude, insurance lic- is freaking awesome yeah, I insurance licensing service i i don't know what the ilsa stands for but it's ilsa and uh if it wasn't for them this wouldn't this wouldn't have happened this is like my thank you speech at the emmys like if it wasn't for ilsa this would not have happened they just thought literally i get an email they're like sign this and i gotta print something out and sign it and i scan it and send it back to them and then sign this and that's the only thing legitimately that I've had to print in months and months are all these forms that go along with getting licensed yeah. in all these states. So it's been yeah. that part. They're, been they're killer, man. Yeah. Are they owned by Easy Links? No, they're they did just get bought. No, Resource Pro I think just bought them.
1: Their logo is eerily similar to Easy Links logo. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I've noticed that. Yeah we, yeah, we started using them. Actually, I heard you mention them on the podcast because that's something that, you know, so, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about leaving your business for a month abruptly and yeah. then everything that breaks, it shows you what you need to fix. And and then also you knowing that you're leaving, it leads to you creating processes around that that you otherwise wouldn't have. And I went out on this two-month paternity leave, uh, even though Joe Rogan thinks paternity leave is for wimps. Um <laughs> And well, I both had to can think be true. About a lot of that stuff. It could both. It could be an both awesome be paternity leave,
0: and you could be a wimp. I mean, both of those things could be true at the same time. Yeah.
1: So, so when I got back from the leave, I took my entire team to lunch, and one of my guys was like, "So, what did you think about Joe Rogan saying that paternity leave was for wimps?" And I was like, "When did he say that?" It's like while you were out. I was like, I mean, the fact that I can walk away and this bad boy still run and make me money while I'm not here is not that wimpy. But, um, but anyway, that was one of the things is I was like, crap, what happens if like somebody's license comes up and they need to handle it? So I I reached out to Ilsa and uh, it was a little clunky in the beginning, but we kind of got things going and it's, it's good.
0: Yeah. I've kind of found that with them is that like the, you know, and, and I don't necessarily think it's their fault. I think just this pro the process of licensing and getting all the documents, like it takes, there's a little bit of like ramp up to kind of like here's all my stuff okay they sort through it what do you have what don't we have you know but like one of the things that they helped school me to was like uh filing with the secretary of states of the different states is like when you get licensed a lot of people just get licensed and they're like oh i'm good right hey i'm licensed well yeah kind of but if but in most states not every state but in most states if you don't also file with this uh Secretary of State's office that you are operating in the state, you can get fines, you can have uh, tax levies, there's all kinds of different stuff. So, you know, I've, I mean, this is, I've mentioned this before, and I think you have too. But um, I'm just an enormous proponent of, as a leader of having the self awareness to understand what you're good at and what you're not good at, and then outsource everything else, which is a tough thing to do, because you're spending money right? I mean, to, to outsource stuff costs money, there's no doubt. But in the back end, if I were spending the time to have to figure out how to get licensed in every one of these states, and then setting up mechanisms somehow in my agency to monitor when something is due, and what needs to be, oh my God. Now, do I pay a fee for, for that? Yes. But it is freaking nice it's to be small, able to though. email. Like
1: 25 bucks.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it, when you're doing that many states, there's a fee. They're they're you know, they're getting yeah, right, they're getting right. paid for what they're doing. There's no doubt. But um, but that being said, I now have a person, Amanda, that when I have a problem, I just email Amanda and I go, Hey, Amanda, this is happening. What's up? And she's like, Oh, we got that. Don't worry about it. Or, hey, we just need to just sign something. I it I have zero brain cycles associated with licensing, other than every other year, I need to do my 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 ce so that i can re-up my my new york license like outside of that i don't have to do Mm -hmm. anything else and that to me well, it's
1: like too you know you and i have a mutual friend i'm not going to say say their name that had a producer that did their ce but did not renew the license and wrote business for like a year and a half and didn't say anything before anybody noticed and had to like self-report and it turned into this whole cluster you know that's like whatever I can pay to keep that from happening short of putting myself out of business. Like I will do that.
0: Yeah, dude, I completely agree. And, um, you know, it's just, these are the kind of things that I feel like, you know, it's just, it's, you really, you really don't want to be figuring out how to do this stuff. And I get it. Not, not probably not many people listening to this are in multiple States or, or are in as many States as maybe I, or, or you are, but um, you know, so it may not be that big a deal, but you know, if you're just in one state and you know, whatever, it's probably a lot easier just to, to manage it in house. And that'll make sense. But I, 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 I can't help, but believe that the days of the community-based single state independent agency are waning. And what I mean by that is that's not a knock on the independent agency system at all. I just don't know that we can be successful being a local generalist moving into the future. Can a local generalist sustain? You know, we have to put all the caveats in there. Can a local generalist sustain? Yes, they can. Are they going to the business? No. But could you spin up a local generalist agency? Because this is my, my, bellwether because we have a major talent transition that's happening right we have an entire generation really the first broad spectrum generation of insurance agents in this country are phasing out right like this is a new Mm -hmm. thing for our industry like other industries have had multiple iterations we really you know i know there's set there's third and fourth generations and those
1: same people want to shit on you for saying what you just said but they're the ones selling the hub they're the ones selling to the big boy. They're not selling to the other small independent down the street. Know, so you can't have your cake and eat it too. I know Yes. You, know?
0: you know that's one of my big beefs is I, I was talking to this uh, I was talking to somebody at a um, at an event I did I had like four weeks in a row where I was on the road for different events that I was doing this fall and uh, I was talking to somebody and I can't remember who it was or where I was, so I apologize for this being so ambiguous. but in one sentence, they were questioning a comment that I made on stage similar to what I'm saying. And the next sentence, they brought up the fact that they were selling to like a big roll up. And I was like, Hmm, let's, 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 let's just dissect this for a second. So you're, you're giving me crap or not. he, He wasn't really giving me crap, but he was, strongly questioning the merits of my argument related to the to this comment that you couldn't spin up a local generalist community agency and you know all this kind of stuff and you know taking saying, into oh, account the is... fact
1: when you're speaking you have to take a hard line on something right yeah also
0: i can give two flying shits about what anyone thinks who's on the floor because sure. fuck them you know so uh i all have right. the microphone i get to see what i
1: want <laughs> yeah
0: so i uh, I got the bag, so, right? Yes, yeah, 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 so th- also, you know, look, this that's my perspective, so that's what it is that that all being said, i'm I'm fine with him questioning, and i w- I was interested in his take, and I was interested in why he thought you could do that despite the fact that all evidence and all statistics would point otherwise. but then t- to take such a hard line on that old school tact and then to tell me that you're selling to a big roll up is like. Oh, that just feels kind of smarmy to me because it's basically what you're saying is it can only be done the way I did it, even though I don't think that's possible. But when you do screw all you guys, I'm, I'm cashing out for the biggest nut I can get and rolling up into all the organizations that are going to end up taking all your lunch when they backdoor and advertise into your little community and, and create all the mechanisms as to why you can't build a local community today. So you know, to it's, me, it's just... It's
1: like, like the people that post on Facebook that Facebook is ruining the world. is yeah. <laughs> yeah. what it is, you know? Dude, it's like it's, social media is going to be the death of America. By God, I'm not deleting my account. Yeah. That's how I reach my people. <laughs> what are you
0: talking I about? feel like in you know? general, and, you know, I talked to some of my friends about this stuff, but like, I feel like in general, we are just living through like a big idiot test right now like i feel like i feel like god and the angels or whoever is up there doing whatever is like you know what they're probably scared to come down let's play a little game (laughs) let's let's create all these nonsensical counterintuitive arguments let's uh let's just throw all this nonsense out there and see what these morons
1: believe believe and do yeah well, and, and you know, back to the main street generalist, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a main street generalist. I don't think that, you know, I did a talk two weeks ago to NAFA, which is like for those of you listening to PNC that may not be familiar, is like the big eye of life life insurance, essentially. Yeah, yeah. State association of life insurance. And the talk was on embedded insurance, or the kind of the center of my talk was on this this embedded insurance trend that's coming, which I think is partly one of the biggest threats to the main street generalist and also one of the biggest opportunities for the main street generalist. Hmm. And I was kind of given this talking, a lot of the people in the room, and I'm saying this because I asked and nobody raised their hand, had never even heard of the term embedded insurance. And what I told them is I said, I'm not saying that independent agents are going away. And, I, and I'm saying this towards the, the, the main street generalist, your target client base is, get, is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Is what I'm saying. You're not going to be able to grow like you grew. Are there exceptions? Yes. Are there people that are going to DM me after? We did. Awesome. Like, a lot of those people are my friends, but I think people need to be looking outside of that. And I tell people every single day, I've said it twice today, Portal has no interest in being the Main Street agency. That's not what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah. If you have a problem with this, definitely DM Bradley. Don't DM me because I could give two yeah, shits DM about me. your opinion. I, um, I will give
1: you the politically correct answer. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's not that I don't care. I just, look, I here's what I'll tell you. I don't see embedded insurance as an opportunity for a Main Street Generalist Agency because I don't think they're going to invest. Uh, it's too big of a game. It takes too it much time and that. capital. I think- yeah. What I, I do, I agree with your first statement that embedded insurance is the largest, is the biggest. It's the first concept that I've seen where I've said this could actually disrupt a large portion of the independent insurance industry. And here's why I believe that. Because embedded insurance as a concept, and I'm, I'm broad stroking, but just to give anyone who's, who is also unfamiliar with the topic what we're talking about embedded insurance is the idea that either inside a platform or inside a product, insurance happens natively, okay? Inside a product would be Tesla sells you a car and a little schmoogie box that you click when you're checking out is, do you want Tesla insurance to go with this for $107 a month? Boom, that's embedded insurance. It's It's part of the checkout process, just like adding in a larger screen or the ability to play asteroids on your game console or whatever. I haven't bought a Tesla yet.
1: And it's not just Tesla. Toyota is doing this. right?
0: Toyota, now. whatever. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someday purchasing a new home, this doesn't happen or it happens with a lot of products today. Drones, right? There are, there are all these different things where embedded insurance is starting to leak in. It's huge in other parts of the world. It is coming and it's coming like a freight train to the United States. Now we have natural governors to that based on the, the the fifty state regulation system that we have the state based regulation system some of the lobbyists and special interest groups obviously are not going to let that happen um, you know so there, there's a there's a bunch of things that we have that will slow it but it's coming it's absolutely coming so that's that's embedded in a product embedded in a platform would be like I use Square for business to run my restaurant and Square every time I log in says hey want a better business quote click this button and we'll rate compare you against five companies and right inside a platform that you use every single day they're pushing insurance okay so why do I think that this is the first real disruptive uh case in our in our industry is that it doesn't allow business insurance to get to the local level that's what scares the shit out of me about it it's why I've done a lot of the things that I've done and why you know we're broad spectrum national. We, and we suffer a lot of pain and I've talked about it. We, we pay a, a, a hefty price in the early days of our agency for going the route we did. But, but I saw very early, or at least I believe wh- whether, whether this happens or not, I believe there will be a day where a lot of business, a lot of personal insurance, a lot of small business insurance, it just will never get down to our level. Someone will sign up for their mm-hmm. LLC and they'll already have purchased business insurance. And, and, I, and I know like the the major, whatever that one is, uh, LegalZoom has it, right? I, these things are going to progress. They're going to become more natural, more native, right? And People are going to get more
1: comfortable doing it that people way. People
0: are going to get more comfortable doing it. And, and as they sign up for these services, and it's a button click to add insurance, they're going to do it. And more and more people are going to do it. And now all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I'm the local agency. And they're like, yeah, I already got coverage here. And I got coverage here. And you're like, you just started your business. You should have come to me. And they're like, yeah, but it was a button click with legal zoom and it was a hundred bucks. And I figured I'd just get it done. And now what do you you know? Now you got to wedge them out and talk to them. And Mm -hmm. that to me is amazing.
1: And guess what? Convenience convenience. beats price. Yeah. 98% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, and there's people listening to this, um, You know, I'm hearing Scott Howell in my head right now saying, well, what about retention? Yep. And that's true. Like one of the things a lot of these DTCs have not figured out yet is the retention piece. That's where the agent comes in a relationship. But the problem is, is, is if the deal never makes it to you, then that disrupts that entire process where you can no longer sell the way that you've always sold. Yep. You know? Yes, customer no. at the end, like insurance is not the thing. Like there's n- not very many people wake up in the morning and say, man, I'm really glad I have good coverage. It's the That's thing it that gets you to the thing. I've always said that, you know, we do one of our niches on personal lines are new home buyers. And one of the things that I think separates us from some of the people around here is we recognize that the insurance is not the crescendo moment of the home buying process it's the thing that gets you to the thing. And one thing that I love about the embedded insurance movement is it's the physical iteration of that, right? It's the physical presence of this is just insurance to get you there. Um,
0: So, but like, I mean, to be honest with you, like I do
1: think there is an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is an opportunity for people to, as long as they open up their minds to it and, and get comfortable with it, because like, just to be completely honest with you, like, I'm working on an embedded insurance play right now. I've been working on a year. It's about to come to fruition. If we're able to pull it off, it will be the single biggest thing I've ever done in insurance. If my broke ass can figure it out and do it. And I know I probably have some some built-in advantages with the podcast thing. Like, I get that. But like if I can do it with the very, very, very small amount of money that I started my agency with, I think anybody can figure it out. What's up, guys? Sorry to take you
0: away from the episode, but as you know, we do not run ads on this show. And in exchange for that, I need your help. If you're loving this episode, if you enjoy this podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, I would love for you to subscribe, share, comment if you're on youtube leave a rating review if you're on spotify or apple itunes etc this helps the show grow it helps me bring more guests in we have a tremendous lineup of people coming in uh, men and women who've done incredible things sharing their stories around peak performance leadership growth sales the things that are going to help you uh, grow as a person and grow your business but they all check out comments, ratings, reviews. They check out all this information before they come on. So as I reach out to more and more people and want to bring them in and share their stories with you, I need your help. Share the show. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. And I'd love for you to leave a comment about the show because I read all the comments. Or if you're on Apple or Spotify, leave a rating review of this show. I love you for listening to this show. And I hope you enjoy it listening as much as I do creating the show for you. All right, I'm out of here. Peace. Let's get back to the episode. No, it has nothing to do with that. That that's You're completely off. It has to <laughs> do with the fact that you're a hustler, you're smart, you're a business developer, you're a networker. That's how you got that done. So when I think about but that- But
1: anybody can do that.
0: Yeah, but look, there's a reason that you keep <laughs> getting asked back to the same conferences to speak on relatively the same topics over and over and over and over yeah. again. And it's because of there are a few core concepts that most business owners in general, not just independent insurance agents do not get, which is find out what you're good at and get out of the way for everything else. So what happens is yeah. you have agency owners who are also chief service officer and chief revenue officer and chief insurance officer and chief marketing officer and chief sales officer and nothing ever, nothing big ever gets done. And they're yeah. constantly, I'm doing air quotes, even though everyone can't see me, I'm, at least on my podcast, they're always busy. I hate being busy because, and there's two reasons for that. One, it means I'm working on shit that I didn't choose to work on. In most cases, obviously sometimes you pick a project that makes you busy, but in most cases, being busy means you're doing shit. Other people need done, not stuff you want to get done. And two, it limits your ability for serendipity, right? Uh, That random phone call, that opportunity, that, that conference that, Hey, you know, I got this Take it to this thing. And there's going to be people there that you should network with. And you're like, Oh, I'm too busy. I can't go. So you don't go. And, and so much of that, in my opinion, comes down to like, like, I've had people question the fact that I have an operations manager, right. I, and she was my very first hire. Now I hired her to be an AM immediately realized that she was not uh, her her skills, even though she could have been a great uh, account manager. She, she was just Uh, Different skill set, right? She was a D all the way across just driver get shit done task oriented like hard charger smart like so I just said I'm making you an account manager and I've had people for the last year go, you're too small you're too new that shit you should be doing you're wasting money blah blah blah. It's like, really a
1: vulnerability of themselves. That's yes. their insecurities talking because they don't have yes. that person.
0: And they're going, I didn't hire my first person until I had a million dollars in premium. And I'm like, well, then you're an asshole. I don't know <laughs> what am i supposed to tell you. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? It but also I,
1: took you eight years, Gerald.
0: Yeah. My timeline, I am, I am, I, you know what I mean? Like, I am not going to be happy if I hit my first million in revenue a decade into the business. That's, that is going to, yeah. that will be a complete and utter fail for me if that's the case. So like I I just I look at I look at these things and I'm like, yes, do I have to sacrifice? Like I don't take a salary out of the business. Now, granted, I'm I am blessed, similar to you. And then I have this podcast, I have some sponsors, I'm able to pay some bills with that, you know, have a little walking around cash. We also have
1: wives that are awesome too. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It helps that my wife is a is a baller blocker, you know. So um, but I just, dude, I just think like. We we gotta as leaders we have to start getting out of our own way have some self awareness and if you need help with it sit down with someone and say like what am I good at and what am I not good at and then hire those things
1: sit down with your team there's yeah. no better people to answer than the people that work for you I agree. now you're kind of coming back full circle to the delegation thing yep so the hardest when you said that earlier but we moved on and get a chance to say it I'm a big delegator I always say automate outsource delegate one of those three um, the hardest thing I think to delegate are the things that you're not good at, but you like doing. That's to me, that's when you can really scale your agency. And like, people ask me all the time, like, how do you do everything you're doing? Like I've literally outsourced and delegated everything. Yeah. You know, like even down to when we pick up a new carrier and they want to do the agency owner, like zoom call to talk about the product. I get either, kenneth my main account manager or a va just to do that call and send me the send me the high points yeah hopefully they turn the camera off and they're not acting like me but like i do i like like i'm it literally every single thing in my day i'm like okay how can i take this and outsource it so i don't have to do it yeah you know
0: and that and i'm not and i'm not
1: perfect i'm not bragging you no know? no
0: it, no it, no dude what what that allows you to do is find work, nurture for a year, the largest insurance deal of your career, which probably won't be the largest forever. Right. I mean, this will be a stepping stone to the next one, to the next one. So by getting all that crap off your plate, that's important, but you shouldn't be doing right. Like, like you shouldn't be doing that stuff by getting that off your plate. You're able to go bring in a deal that changes the nature of your of your agency. It changes the whole level that you're playing at. And if you're if you were in the weeds, hawking home and autos because you're the you're the best salesperson in your agency, and you got to thump your chest every day. Like I think that's perfectly yep. fine. But that's that's little fiefdom stuff. If you want to have a kingdom, if you want to be the, the if you want to grow your empire you have to work on bigger deals. You have to work on bigger fish. Yeah. You, you can't, and that doesn't just mean middle market. It could, right? It could mean one big yeah. deal, like from an insurance perspective, or it could mean a big referral partner, or it could mean nurturing, like uh, like Gurley's got a great story about nurturing central and he had called him for all these years. And then he went on Carler's podcast and then he had more calls. And then he was able to bring into his agency uh, a carrier that was incredibly important to them. You know, so it's like, it's stuff like that that we have, we, those things don't happen if you are also doing all the little shit in your agency.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, or, or a good example is, um, so we went to Hartford two, three weeks ago. That's right. And I did a podcast in the Medicare space. My buddy Justin has a podcast over there. And I, and he was, we were just talking about, we were talking about putting yourself, in positions to to succeed while also not having an agenda when you do that. Because I think people sometimes miss those two pieces. Like, yeah, they'll put their, their self at, at the right table. But then when they get there, they'll be so salesy and right hooky that it turns everybody off. Yep. You know, an example I gave is, you know, I went to Hartford with no agenda whatsoever to meet anyone. And now I happen to know that this program director is going to be there. This person's going to be there. This person's going to be there. This person's going to be there. To be there, to be there, to be there. And it, what it does, it allows you to do things like that, that then sets you up for future success because you put yourself in that position, if nothing else, just that, you know? Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think, uh, I just, you know, my concern for, for our, our independent agency, brothers and sisters is that if I think more than ever, and I'm sure this has been said for 40 years and all the gray hairs are going to go, ah, they were talking about that in 1982. when we got the fax machine, but like, I think more than ever, the internet has created a situation where we have to think bigger. We have to, maybe that means going from 50 miles to the entire, from your agency to the entire state, or maybe it means. Yeah. Moving into small commercial from purse lines only or vice versa, or, or bring, you know, purchasing a small book to get another carrier that you need and just thinking bigger or extending to a producer or, or to a specialist in an area. Like, I think we really have to start thinking bigger than just show up and write insurance every day, because from yep. Albany, New York, I can drop a pin in your town and market to your people. And they will not know the difference between you and me. And we
1: we'll then talk about that
0: right? And then there's 50, and there's 50 of me, right? There's, in, there's other independents yep. like me doing the same thing. There's all the nationals, all the carriers, right? Liberty, who's supposed to be a friend of the independence has decided to launch 200 local locations and compete directly with us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, and, I don't, and I don't necessarily care about that. I'm just saying this is happening and it's not going to stop. And where yep. nobody could break into your backyard even 10 years ago, right? So so think 2011, even though yet the, the internet existed and YouTube and Google had some ads and Facebook, you know, whatever, no one could break into your backyard even a decade ago. Nobody could. No one could get yeah. into your town. If you had oh. your signs up and had been there for any amount of time, nobody could break in. You had that town on lockdown. Today, that is just simply not the case. It just isn't.
1: Oh, it can be taken from you before you even realize it's, it's at risk. Yeah. And- you know, there was two things that I learned. So my last two years when I was captive was me testing things to set up to open portal. I never really talked about this. There's two things that I learned that last two years. And what's co- coincidentally, both things contradict something that I think the majority of independent agents believe. The first one is you have to be in the neighborhood. You have to be the hometown agent. Everybody has to know you, that sort of thing, Right. So I, I hit a stride with Facebook ads my last two years. This was pre Zuckerberg testifying to Congress and them shutting the platform down essentially from an advertising standpoint. And I was running ads in Huntsville, which is where Scott is six hours North it was before I knew Scott. And I was writing business. Like my hair was on fire to use a Scott term. And you know how many people asked where are you located or, had a problem with the fact that I was six hours south of them, literally zero. Okay, so that's myth number one busted. Oh, wow. With this tool, I can advertise anywhere. And the people don't, like, wait, if I, all I have to do is solve their problem? They don't care that I'm not down the street from from their house? Okay, that's number one. Number two was I was with a company called Alpha, which is a captive Alabama's version of Farm Bureau. Gotcha. I didn't brand Alpha. I, brand, gotcha. I branded myself. I branded Sarah Land Insurance, which is where I was located. Nobody knew they were with Alpha. Like they never asked, what carrier am I with? Or, 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 oh, so what company do you? It was like, oh, I'm buying from Bradley. I'm buying from Sarah Land Insurance. So I branded myself, not the carrier. And to me, that was two big lessons I learned that kind of play into this. That like people don't care. Like all they want you to do is solve their problem, you know.
0: Dude, yesterday we wrote yesterday we wrote an account in Oregon, an account in New Jersey, and an account in Maryland. Guess how guess how big of a deal it was that we're low that our headquarters is in Troy, New York. They didn't care. (laughs) They don't even ask. They They don't care. They literally And
1: they don't care what carrier you put them with. Don't care. Like they don't care. Don't care.
0: And and that's not they to say to that it doesn't you. matter. I and want trust to trust
1: that you're asking, acting. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's not that that is not to say that the carrier doesn't matter because the carrier does matter. Quality coverage matters. The paper matter. I get all you super nerds and CPCUs who want to nitpick every comma. And you know, but to the customer, you know what they got? They got a phone call immediately after they filled out a form. They got their problems solved within a few minutes. And they got the insurance coverage mm-hmm. they need to do whatever the hell they called us for in the first place. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's the game. In my opinion, granted, when you're prospecting, middle market, you're doing the killing commercial thing, that's a little different, right? You are targeting customers you want to work with that you think you have a solution for who can help. Much different thing. I, we call this business Rogue Select, 25000 in premium or less. These people do not care. They have an insurance problem. It is our job to solve that problem. It is not our job to be their best friend. I'm not sending them a basket of cupcakes or whatever. We're going to do be professional. We're going to put do the right thing by them. We're going to service them well when they need it. And we're going to solve their problem. That is yeah. th- in, in, in a timely manner. And dude, that's the thing. I had a guy fill out a form on our website. At uh, at oh shit! It was like it was in the afternoon one day, and we just missed it. We just didn't get to it right away. And the next day, I saw that we hadn't reached out to him, so I called him at like ten thirty. So this is three p.m., ten thirty. I'm like, I'm so sorry. It took us so long to get back to you. He goes, are you. He goes, are you kidding? Me? He had a kind of a country accent. I can't do one. You know, I, I, he's like, are you kidding me? Like, I've reached out to like four other agencies. You're the only person I've heard back from. Like that to me is the big opportunity. Everyone listening to this call, to this podcast is not going to call their leads back in a timely manner. You're just not. Guys, if you did, Bradley and I wouldn't have businesses, right? So like like the fact that our industry as a whole thinks weeks are an acceptable time period to get back to people, to me, just simply yeah. getting back to them in a few minutes just changes the whole conversation. They are blown away. They are... If I, we get back to somebody within an hour, they are like, "Oh my god. Who who are you? What is this magic that you're doing that you got back to so soon?" You know, like it's crazy.
1: So, you just detailed exactly why I stay in the insurance industry. So, everybody that I have that's in another industry, I have a friend that's in in a in the marketing marketing industry and he has a printing company. He does like big print jobs and concert posters things like that and really cool guy. He came, he comes to my office last week. He did a a print thing for us. And uh, he was like, so he's like, so tell me what you're working on. And I kind of told him a couple of my projects, you know, he's like, huh? So, so you're really serious about this insurance thing, aren't you? (laughs) It's like, why not like go into another industry? So I was like, dude, I was like the white space in this industry by white space. I mean, the gap is so large that you can be a crappy businessman and be Uber successful. Yeah. Like just doing the bare minimum a lot of times is better than what everybody else does, you know,
0: yeah and and you know and and I, I give everyone listening. I hope you realize that when I refer to you specifically, I'm sure it's not actually you because you're taking the time to listen uh, you, Bradley you, and people I. You. yeah, it just yeah. it is, and I think you know use what we're saying as um as keys that you can work off of to say, look, like, you're listening to this show, which means that you are, in some capacity, probably light years ahead of most of the people that you would have to work against, including, you know, other captives, other independents, certainly carrier people, certainly digital brokers who are some of the worst at this, and, you know, take this as opportunity.
1: Oh, dude, I went I went through the, the intake process with a digital broker recently, and I'm not going to say who it is because I'm friendly with one of the founders, um... And it, they, they just effed it up. Like, it was just awful. And they positioned themselves. And, and, and granted, I'm in a coastal area, which is what I was testing. Yeah. To see, like, okay, did that, you know what I mean? And and it just proves the point that you and I have talked about. Like, a lot of these insure techs, like, all they're good at is the easy stuff. It's the more, the stuff on the outskirts yeah. where the real problems are. They don't do well. And it's so like, I go through this whole buying process. And, and it was through, a, like, a chat thing. And the guy's like, and it was a guy, it wasn't a robot. He was like, ready for me to buy. And I'm like, okay, does this include wind? Oh, uh, hang on, let me see. And it was three days. And he emails me back. He's like, oh yeah, sorry, there's no wind on this. And I'm like, what's, what's supposed to be so great about this? Yeah. You know, and it's, then they are um, acquired for like $50 million. Yeah,
0: it, uh, you know, it, it is, um, do you know, I don't know how to say this, but being in a The where Rogue is going, where we're going, I've had the opportunity to have quite a few conversations with digital brokers, people who have invested in digital brokers, just that whole space. And what I found, and this is why our mantra is no customer left behind, is that they have figured out the technology piece. They just have no clue about insurance in most cases. Or, yeah. you know, they have they know insurance and they can't figure out the tech. And there is an incredible yeah. amount, I'll use your term white space for the agencies, for the carriers, for anyone who can bridge that gap, who can be both things, who can be both a great insurance agent and a great technologist. That is incredibly rare in our space. And that is, that is like the note, the new frontier are these hybrid professionals or organizations who are both good agents and stewards of an agency, as well as, uh, technologists because dude, the easy stuff is so easy. Like, you know, I was looking at this company, uh, layer the other day, cause I consider them a competitor of sorts and dude, just they got a couple of carriers you can rate quote bind with, which is great, but nothing special. If it doesn't fit those, uh, what happens to it? Nothing. And yeah. you're like, oh, you're- that's not really spectacular to me. That's kind of freaking boring to me, actually. And nothing against them. I'm sure they'll improve. But I just was like, this is a company I just saw, and I only use them because they just had a they just raised 10 million bucks, right? So I'm like, wow, yeah. there is someone out there willing to give a company 10 million dollars just because they can rate quote bind main street bot business online that's the Mm -hmm. that is the bar my friends for insurance (laughs) and technology mashing together i just to me that means that we have just started to scratch the surface
1: on what's possible and what cracks me up i bet you i bet you especially in commercial this is the case when you go to bind it you have to have a one day in the future effect date. Yeah. That's because it's not API. It's because they have somebody on the other end that actually is physically binding it. Yeah, it's just yeah. an agency with a slick front end, is all it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, and it's, look, it's, I, it's, I'm not saying you can't make a boat tone, uh, a boatload of money that way. And, yeah. Or that it's a bad business model. Get after it. I think all I'm trying to convey, and I and, you know, and, and I know you are too, is that. There is so much opportunity. I just no longer believe that opportunity exists in owning the local market. I'm not saying that can't be one of your value propositions, but if that's what you're hanging your hat on moving forward and you're not coming up with a a statewide vertical or a big time referral partnership with a multi-year contract or whatever, I feel like you are you're creating a major vulnerability in your agency.
1: Well, it's like all these direct to consumer insure techs, you know, they all to some degree subscribe to the mantra of we save you money because we don't have to pay agents 15%. When in reality, so there was, there's an insure tech. Some of us know of that's direct to consumer, no agents, that sort of thing. Somehow they're speaking at insurance agent conferences, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Um, I pressed one of the founders. It's like, no, why? Like, like I pressed, like, why not agents? Like, why not do that too? And then I eventually got the real answer, which is uh, we don't have the infrastructure to handle all the appointments. Yeah. Which is the real reason a lot of them try the direct to consumer thing first before going with agents. And then you see them do the kind of in the middle, which is, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to use agent arrow and some of these MGA's and that's how you get access. we're going to let them handle the burden of handling the agent appointments. And then eventually I'll eliminate, they all come back. And okay, now we're doing direct. Sorry about all the, sorry about the fact that we were an abusive spouse three years ago and we were nasty to you, but we want you back now. Like that's, that's the, that's the play right there. You know, Ken insurance is pounding Florida right now. And like, I'm friends with the founder on, on LinkedIn. And Gary Vaynerchuk is one of the biggest investors in Ken. And I'm sitting here in in his DMs like, like you are royally effing up right now by not working with agents because your customer acquisition cost is high. By the way, Ken was not the one I was talking to, but your customer acquisition cost is high and you're pissing off every single agent where because you want property in Florida, you could solve a huge problem for every single agent in the state of Florida.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know how you solve the appointment process? An Excel spreadsheet to start that's all you need. Hey, yeah, right. send me your, send me your, 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 a copy of your license. And then just once a day, notify the state of the new agencies that you're appointed like this. I, I get it. I get that. It seems overwhelming. I just, you know, again, you got to remember that when you're given a boatload of money, these guys have major, major pressure on them. And you have someone, and I'm not saying yeah. that he does, but you have people like Gary Vaynerchuk, who are investing in your company, they're going to ask questions like, "Have you tried the least expensive option or the seemingly least expensive option you right. No, we went right to agents. Man, you're not really taking care of our money because you could have figured it out by going direct, and you didn't. So that's this is what this is why it right. happens. It doesn't. It's not some nefarious. You know, I, again, this is I, I think this same thing about about lefties, right? Like they're trying to do their best. They're just misinformed. So they, you know, these people think face value. If we
1: just go direct. Give me a second to figure out what you were saying, lefties.
0: Yeah, that's going to be the cheapest. left-handed
1: batters? What are you talking about?
0: That's going to be the cheapest, right? If I just go direct, that's the cheapest. And then you go, oh, that's not the cheapest. We'll go through MGAs. That's the cheapest. And you try that. And you're like, oh, we're still not getting any volume. Well, I guess now we'll do major appointment, we'll go to Marsh. Man, if we just get Marsh, we're good. And they get Marsh and they go, Mm ah, well, they already have 400 other appointments. So we're not getting, we're only getting limited flow from them. And mostly it's bad. It's the bad shit that they don't want to send it. Well, now we got to go to independence. And then all of a sudden they start to get the flow. But if they don't go through that waterfall, you know, they're not, they have to report to a board and tell them why they've made these decisions. And a lot of times it's just, if they don't cycle through all those decisions, then they somehow are not being a good steward of that business. And, you know, so if you think about it on the surface, yeah.
1: Yeah. On the surface, it appears that agents are the least attractive option, right? When in reality, you know, theoretically speaking, the way an insurance company makes money is writing the correct clients. That way they can maximize profitability that premium, right? You're not going to get that with the direct and consumer. I don't care how good your targeting is. And this is coming from a marketing person. You're still going to have business that gets bound. That's not your target client. Whereas if you work with good independent agents, they are going to put you with the correct carrier for your risk. They're not going to try to fit something into a box That doesn't belong there, generally speaking.
0: Yeah. Part of my pitch to the to the VCs that I've been talking to is that by using humans, we will probably write 20% less than we would if we just had a direct button. But I can take, but I'm but what I believe on the back end is I'll get 40% back in retention. It's because none of these guys can crack Correct. 40% retention. That's the little secret. The little dirty little secret, all, all these companies, all these companies that are getting tens of millions of dollars ipo they except for Goosehead, they can't crack 40 to 45% retention. They can't crack it. None of them. They can't figure it out. As fast as they get them in, they go out the back. So it's all about acquisition. Blow your numbers up as big as you can. Sell to a PE, IPO, whatever you got to do to recapitalize at a bigger number but they're not making money and they can't crack 40% retention. The reason is, is because they don't respect the humans, all of us. So what I've been, part of my pitch is, and, and look, I haven't got VC funded yet because no one believes me that this is true, but I will eventually find the, the right partner for us. And it's, it's I'm going to give up 20% in acquisition because because I, ha- I want a human to spend two minutes on the phone with somebody at a minimum to figure out if they're the real deal or if it's nonsense. You know, if it's twenty minutes, that's fine. I don't mean only two minutes. I just mean at least kind of. But I believe that by doing that and having humans involved in the process throughout, we'll get that back and be able to push standard independent agency retention rates to eighty four percent or higher. And if I, as a digital brokerage, can produce eighty four percent retention, we're gonna slay. Like we'll be Scrooge McDucking into my vat of gold coins. Or maybe bitcoins, right? Um, and cool. and, and c- because retention is the whole game, we all know that. And, you know, I just think yeah. that's what put that, that's what has always put us as the mechanism for selling insurance. You just, you know, it is very difficult to sell people who have never lived our life on why that's important.
1: So, one more story and I'll let you go. Yeah. So, about a week ago, My wife wakes me up at 4 a.m. And she's like, Bradley, your phone just buzzed 23 times. (laughs) What's wrong? Somebody's been in a car accident. I said, no. I said, I texted Ryan Hanley at 8 p.m. about crypto. That's probably him responding. And sure (laughs) enough, it was every single which I appreciated. It was every single crypto Ryan thought I should buy, one after the other. Do, 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 do. Anyway, I thought you would appreciate that.
0: Well, I wouldn't buy them all, but you know, you kind of, based on your risk tolerance, there's a portfolio in there for you. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. V- Vra. Some, uh, that's my little, my little crypto secret. Vra. Vra. Verocity. It's it's. You'll be into it. Pay per view. Pay per view technology, patented pay per view technology. It's going to revolutionize the video game. Yeah, yeah.
1: I like so it. we're doing some, uh, or it could be real soon. Motivated. Some insurance guys NFTs really soon. Just, nice. just like a fun little project. Nice. They come with, uh, uh come with uh, each each one comes with a prize, some really really juicy prizes, and uh, just to just just have fun, you know.
0: I'll be honest with you. If I um if if i were doing a conference right now nfts would be an enormous part of that conference speaker that's pictures yeah like just there's all kind venue pictures yeah. different different um nfts that could get you into special rooms special one-on-ones with speakers like i think there is so much well,
1: what we're doing yeah when will this sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you we've got a delay here that's why i keep interrupting you yeah yeah uh what uh, when's this going to drop? I have no idea. Okay. So this may have dropped. It may already be over with. But so, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a very, very small amount of NFTs. Um, they're going to be a higher price point. So we've already sold all our tickets for our event, but we've got, I think this it's five the event or six in, NFTs. In Colorado event. with uh, Glovebox guys. Correct. Yep. Correct. That you won't come to. Yeah. I'm, that one.
0: I'm efforting to be there. I, I have not. I'm kidding. I I may just show up. It's, this is going to be a game time decision for me, but yes, I'm
1: trying to be. That'd there. be great. Hey, we found out today we're going to have access to the Jumbotron. Oh, wow. So our speakers are going to be up on the Jumbotron. Anyway, are we going to get to throw passes so, on the field? Yes. Yes, you get a tour of the field. Yeah. You need to come. You need to come set mile high stadium. Anyway, so we've got six NFTs. Um each NFT comes with a prize. Uh, so prizes like insurance guys in, uh, interview, um, one-on-one coaching with David Carruthers for a year. Wow. Uh, my marketing team does their content for, I think, six months. And then one or two more prizes like that. They also get lifetime access to the conference. So whoever owns that NFT at the time of the conference, because we're going to do this every year, gets gets to come. Um,
0: I see that then, idea. I love uh,
1: a, that
0: lifetime pass, yeah. like, if you're a conference organizer, that NFT lifetime pass idea is awesome. Because then it has market value. Yeah. You could Indeed. sell it. Like, someone could have that and sell it to right. me off market, and now I just show up. You don't care. Whoever has the NFT gets in. I love that.
1: And they I can also that. sell it prior to, like, it's like, let's say they don't use the coaching with Carruthers. They could sell that piece of it as well. Um, and, the, uh, and we're going to do a dinner the first night. So everybody that buys the NFT gets a dinner with me scott glovebox, uh mick and david and daniel song when are you cool little intimate dinner
0: yeah that's that's awesome when are you um when are you dropping that this nft thing
1: probably monday so monday Monday so this
0: will not be out by monday although i could just drop
1: it tomorrow but it still may be available it may flop i mean it may flop but i told so like no, I told what's Andy the... we were on a call earlier. I was like, I just want to do this to say we're the first ones in the insurance space to do it. Yeah. Like that's even if it flops and nobody buys it. But the thing is, is so our ticket price is really low. Our ticket price is one ninety nine. Most of these conferences are in the seven hundred range. Yeah. Um. So that's what the NFT costs. It's going to be seven fifty. That's assuming cool. Ethereum doesn't skyrocket.
0: Well, it'll be it'll be seven fifty and thirty eight dollars or something like that. Yeah, it's not stupid
1: like that. But I got to run, man. I got another yeah. call. I got to yeah, hop Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize what time it was. Um, dude, appreciate the hell out of you. Love what you're doing. Thank you so much. It had been too long. I'm glad you. I'm glad you sent me that message. You just uh for those this everyone thinks that there's like some strategic plan on uh, on guests and stuff. And I'm always just like, nope. Bradley
1: just texted me and said, hey, it's been too long. Let's talk. And I was like, done. Really? I was like, Wednesday. Let's, let's go. <laughs>
0: let's do it. Cool. Well, hey. What's well, funny?
1: Cause like things. The things we're working on change so much from week to week that when you and i go a year and a half without doing one of these it's like there's so much more to talk about yeah you know and i, and I, I also, like your show because i can keep it real you know
0: yeah i also forget like we talk so much offline that i don't know it feels like it if you had said we did a podcast a month ago i would have been like oh yeah that makes sense
1: because yeah right i remember that because <laughs> you're probably My like brother, you hey, don't listen to your show be good
0: but- Appreciate you. We've got you on play. Yes.